0: I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me for a few minutes tonight to Isaiah chapter 44. Isaiah chapter 44. I'm reading one verse of Scripture. That's verse number 3. For I will pour water... Upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring. I'm particularly interested tonight in this very full promise concerning God's blessing upon his people. You know, the whole prophecy of Isaiah is a hopeful prophecy. Though there are words of judgment, though there are words of warning, Isaiah always comes back with the bright side of God's works and uh, I love the prophecy because it encourages me. I see the darkness but I see the light shining in the darkness and here we have one of those special promises of God. This morning I tried to preach from the book of James On a promise regarding grace. For just a few minutes tonight. I would like to encourage our hearts. With what I'm calling a promise. Of hope. And blessing. A promise of hope. And blessing. You'll notice there are no conditions. Upon this promise. God does not say, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, if you do this. But this is an unconditional word from God. It's a guarantee. God's promises have guarantees that never run out. And here is such a promise. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. I think you see the hope and the blessing set forth in the text. Four words in particular. Uh, color, uh, this truth. Look at uh, the first phrase, I will pour water. Refreshing water is a word of hope and blessing. And then he talked about pouring out floods. Not just brief vanishing showers, but floods, hard rains. Upon the dry ground. And then there's a third word. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. What a word of hope. And then the word blessing speaks for itself. And my blessing upon thine offspring. Now, I find as I preach from night to night, from week to week that there are many of God's people that need to be encouraged with hope. I I am not here tonight to tell you when God will do such and such, or how God will do such and such. I, I have no control over that. Just this afternoon, I spent more time on the phone than I wanted to. I wanted to prepare my heart a little bit more for the service. But the person who called has a very deep need. And I felt as though uh, the party wanted me to tell them what God was going to do. I cannot be specific. I don't know how God will work in your life or how God will perform His purposes. However, here is a promise of hope. And a promise of blessing. I want to begin with that first phrase, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. And I want to say firstly tonight that this promise is a promise of hope and blessing for our condition. For our condition. Notice the condition is that of thirst. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Now, for a long time, I I thought that the indication here was, I will bless those that thirst after my blessing. I I will pour out water upon those who long for my spiritual reign. But the next phrase, and floods upon the dry ground, indicate that it is not a desire that is being referred to here, but it is a state. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Uh, Notice he said, upon him. I would say that there is an individual condition in the text, God says, I'd like to give a promise and of hope and blessing, not just in general, to thirsty environments, situations where people are without, they have a lack, they have a need. But he said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Now, this is a very simple approach, but I'm not here to be profound. I'm here to get this out of my heart. And and trustfully, God will put it in yours. But this matter of God being interested in you and me individually is overwhelming. I, I know that He is the shepherd of the whole flock. But He is also the shepherd of each individual sheep. The Lord is not talking about the whole lot. He's talking about individuals. He's talking about personal conditions. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, dry, without, with a great need, with a lack. I have said for several years, and I don't know another way to say it, but I believe that our needs are often the biggest friends we have because our needs make us or leave us open for God's sufficiency. As long as we feel we're okay, uh, there is no need for divine help and divine aid. But when we sense our need and we realize we have vacuums and wants and lacks and needs then it seems as though we are open more open I might say for God to come to our aid here the Lord says for those who have a great need they're thirsty I'm going to pour water upon him Could, could you apply that tonight could I apply that to our individual need our personal situation, our own deficiencies, <clears throat> our own lack, uh, perhaps even this last week you found yourself saying, "I just feel like I've failed," or you you've said, "I just feel like I've come short I, I wish I had done better. I wish I had done more. You sense that that void, that emptiness, that lack in that area of your life. I say, God has a word of promise for you, a word of hope. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. And so, he emphasizes the individual condition of need. And then, of course, I would press that word thirsty for just a moment. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Thirsty. He is not only referring to an individual need here, but an inapt need. That is, one that cannot be met by oneself. You take someone who is very, very thirsty. They are also very, very weak. They are very, very limited. They are not capable of digging a well. And they're not capable of of seeking at long periods of time sources of water. They're, they're very inapt. And the Lord says, what you cannot do for yourself, I will do for you. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Is there someone here tonight who feels like, well, I've tried and I just can't? Change my situation. I can't. I can't seem to intervene. I can't seem to get the, the the inward feelings I have out of me. I can't. It's just a thirsty, needy situation. I don't know what I'm going to do. God says I've got a promise of hope and blessing for you. I will pour water. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. I couldn't help, I couldn't help but think of of, uh, Abraham's wife, Hagar. You remember, she was cast out by uh, Sarah, and she and little Ishmael, all they had was a, a little water, a vessel of water, and some bread that Abraham had given And uh, she was not to return. She's out on her own now. And she goes out into the desert. And she and the child become so hopeless and helpless. The Bible says that she put little Ishmael up under a shrub. It's as though uh, she's put him there to die. And then the Bible says that God heard his cry, not Hagar's cry. But the little baby's cry. One who couldn't help himself. God heard little Ishmael's cry. And the Bible tells us that God showed her a well of water. It had been there all the time. But she was not aware of it. She had not seen it. And certainly the little one was not aware of it. It's as though the Lord says in that experience... Of Hagar and little Ishmael. They've been rejected. They've been pushed out. There's no hope for them. They're in great need. But God says I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. I will give hope and blessing for your condition. Notice furthermore the text not only gives a promise of hope and blessing for our condition. And oh, at times we feel so inept and so limited. But secondly, he says, I want to give a promise of hope and blessing for your circumstances. I think the dry ground illustrates this. He not only said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, but he said, in essence, I will pour floods upon the dry ground. I will empty much water. I will, I will pour out, I will dispense vast supplies of water, floods upon the dry ground. Well, it's hard for us in this part of the country, this part of the world uh, to grasp barrenness and dryness as it was known in Bible times and in Bible circumstances. Uh, the closest I've even come to it uh, was being out in West Texas. And they had had, not, had had no rain for over two months. During that two-month period, the uh, the little calves had been born and the little sheep had come. And on uh, Tuesday of that week, they'd talked about it the night before. They said they're predicting we're going to have rain tomorrow. And then some laughed, said, yeah, they've been predicting that for a long time. We haven't had any rain. Everything was dead. Everything was dry. Everything was dusty. But that next afternoon, about one thirty, the clouds rolled in. And the water began to come down. Oh, what flood tides of, of refreshing. Of course, the ground was so parched and so dry that at first the water began to flow off and, and uh, roll off of the terrain. In fact, the r- little road where I was staying down from the church in a little house, a little apartment house there, It it was, it looked to me like it was a foot deep as it was flowing down through the street. Well, things, it kept raining a while and then the water began to seem to soak into the earth. Took it a while. It began to soak into the earth. When we got to the service that night, that's all everybody was talking about. I don't know if there was even a need for me to preach. Uh, but they were talking about a couple of little calves that had drowned in the water. They'd never seen rain before. They didn't know what to do when they saw the rain. And uh, one a goat farmer talked about two of his little uh, animals not being able to get back up on the high ground with the others, slipping and falling in the rain. Uh, I'm saying uh, that we know very little of that here in our part of the world. We have creeks and streams and rivers and ponds and, and lakes that seem all around us. But I want to say the era, uh, the era of Old Testament prophecy was not a, a, an era of a lot of rain and a lot of provisions. Even until recent years, the land of Israel has been non-productive. Now they irrigate it. Uh, to get their crops to grow and uh, they do it in a plentiful fashion but I I say to you God says to those who live in such circumstances where the ground is dry spiritually there there are no blessings there there are no uh, growth there there are no uh, productivity God says I will pour floods upon the dry ground Again, let me underline, he's talking about circumstances of no productivity. The grass is dead. No gardens will grow. Uh, The trees are brown. It's dry. It's lifeless. It's a barren wasteland. But God said, I'm going to promise you that not only am I going to help your condition." Your own personal, individual, in-out condition. But I'm going to help your circumstances. I am going to pour floods upon the dry ground. Now let's apply this to our own spiritual lives. It may, it may be applied to our churches. At times in our churches, we go through times when it seems as though the refreshing showers of grace... Are nowhere around. And it gets dry. And the ground gets hard and parched. And we find ourselves in a desolate place. And then it could be applied to our homes. There are times when it seems as the blessings of God are shut off of our home life. And uh, the marriage relationship. The husband and wife intimacy Seems to fail, and sometimes children's response to parental authority seems to be very disheartening and discouraging. And sometimes uh, you lose a job, and and that pressure comes in on the household as well. And it's dry. It's it's a very desolate situation. The circumstance doesn't seem productive. I don't know if this is going to work or not. I, I don't know if, if that boy will ever turn around or not. I don't know if this marriage is ever going to come out of the kinks or not. I, I don't know if we're ever going to overcome this deficit or not. And all we can see are the dry, non-productive circumstances. There are times when we feel so... So full of vigor and full of life and and then comes a time of sickness and a time of sorrow and pain and we can't seem to snap back like we did in days gone by uh, and we can't seem to recover uh, and we feel like everything's barren and desolate and, and besides that uh, for a while everybody's concerned but then they forget us and there we are alone uh, and uh, nobody's interested hey God said when you feel like your circumstances are non-productive I will rain floods upon the dry ground I will send down the flood waters upon your desolate circumstances hallelujah I, I was trying to be a blessing to y'all I got help <laughs> Uh, And then let me say this dry land stuff, this dry ground emphasis, not only speaks of no productivity, but it speaks of no prospects. If the crops are dead in the field, then that means we're going to do without in the days ahead. The future looks bleak. Tomorrow looks dismal. Because of today. There's no prospects. We can't see beyond the horizon of dryness. We can't seem to look beyond our circumstances of despair. It all looks hopeless. There are no prospects of a crop. There's nothing growing and nothing gonna be growing. Nothing coming in the barns and nothing gonna come in the barns. Nothing has seemed to be jingling in the pocket and nothing gonna jingle in the pocket. No prospects. To such a circumstance, God says, I'm gonna pour floods. Upon the dry ground, the desert, (laughs) let me take one out of context here. That desert is going to blossom like a rose. (laughs) God said, I'm going to let you grow a garden in the middle of your gloom. I'm going to let you have a crop in the middle of your conflict. I'm going to let you have an overflow in the middle of the undercurrent. I'm going to give you help in your helplessness. In your despair, I'm going to bring deliverance. It's a promise of hope and blessing for our condition. Thirsty. Thirsty, it's a promise of hope and blessing for our circumstances. no productivity and no prospects of it, as was said to me on the phone this afternoon. I don't see how anything could change. I don't see how anything can be different. Ah oh, beloved, that's our view. That's our perspective. But hallelujah, little is much if God is in it. He's able to send a little cloud and bring down much water out of a little cloud. Uh, He can do, He can do, He can do anything. He can do anything but fail. And so this is a promise of hope and blessing for our circumstances. I thought of Joseph. Earlier I tried to say a word about Hagar. I thought about Joseph in circumstances. Boy, what a trying, difficult road he traveled. And uh, I know this is, again, simple, but... He he went down to visit his brethren. They had gone down to Goshen, so he went down to Goshen. When he got to Goshen, you remember his brothers cast him into a pit. Down into the pit. Then he was sold to the caravan and the Ishmaelites took him down into Egypt. Once he got to Egypt, he was bought by Potiphar and he went down to Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife lied on him and said that he had attempted to uh, defile her and take advantage of her. And he was cast into prison. He went down to the prison. But when he got down as far as he could go, when down couldn't go any further... God began to raise him up. (laughs) When there was no prospects, when there was no hope, God made hope. God made a way where there was no way. God lifted up when everything else pushed down. God provided grace when everything else seemed to rob and take away. God gave. I'm saying He gives hope and blessing. In our dire circumstances, before we go our way, I'd like—I'd like to preach to my own heart a few minutes before we leave tonight. God not only said, "I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground." But he said, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. And my blessing upon thine offspring. (laughs) God gives a promise of hope and blessing. Thirdly, not only for our condition and for our circumstances, but for our children. And our children's children. Now he gives us insight with these two words. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed. And my blessing upon thine offspring. Now being a preacher, I've tried to make a distinction between his seed and his offspring. But it comes right back to his children. His posterity at large, we might say. His namesake. You know, there's a lot of people seem to try everything they can to get ahead financially, not realizing they can't carry it with them, apparently. And uh, some would Buy land and houses and possessions. But really, really, the only thing we're going to leave behind is a testimony. What little I own, what little I possess, why the girls are already trying to decide who gets this picture and who gets this picture. I hadn't even planned on dying yet. Get your hand out of that dresser drawer. Uh, but you know how families are. Mama, can I have that pot? Huh. My, my wife's not here either, David. I can get by with this. I said, well, are you going to use it? It had not been used in a while. Of course now, hey, some of y'all in the same predicament. I told my wife, I said, and and I know it's a fast-paced era. And I usually have to leave before it's time to eat supper. And they end up going separate ways. I go a separate direction, eat fast food. And then my doctor trying to figure out what's wrong with me. But uh, I told my wife, I said, honey, if we had any money, the best place, the safest place we could put it would be the oven. Because nobody ever goes there. Nobody ever goes there. That's where we'd put it. But in all reality, our testimony is often not only in our lives, but in our children. You know what disturbs me the most about my children, and I, we have one, three wonderful daughters. What disturbs me the most about them is I see, I keep seeing more of me in them. I told my wife, I said, "Why didn't they get some of our good points?" She really encouraged me. She said, maybe we don't have any. <laughs> uh, uh. But here's a, an encouraging word about our children and our children's children. Now, I don't want anybody to misunderstand. I know we can't make our children follow Jesus. Some of you tonight just... You're wrenched on the inside about some of your children. Your nerves are on edge because of some of your grandchildren. But here's an unconditional promise. God said to His people, He said, You're the ones I've chosen. I formed thee from the womb. And I don't want you to fear. You're my servant you're the ones I've chosen. I'm going to pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. And I will pour my Spirit upon thy seed. It seems to me here that he's referring to the person of the Holy Spirit. God says that's the only thing that's going to help you children is the work of my Spirit in their lives. I believe that like never before. My children are no different from anybody else's children. Apart from the work of God, the Holy Ghost, they'll go the wrong direction every time. Yours are no different. They're all made out of flesh. I heard somebody say years ago, "said my children will never turn out like that. Boy, were they right. There's were worse. There's got in the local headlines. Listen, we don't have much hope in ourselves. We don't have much hope in our circumstances. And when we're really honest about it, there's not much hope in our children. In our children's children. Somebody said, well, mine are angels. Yeah. Let's ask your neighbors about that. They may be angels, but they're fallen angels. They're fallen angels. Uh-huh. Was it Billy Kelly said he married an angel? Said she was always up in there about something and harping a lot. <laughs> well... Ah, oh, there's no angels in your family. There's no angels in my family. We are the offspring of Adam, the seeds of a fallen race. But hallelujah, there's indication here that God is going to let his spirit, his the person of his spirit, work in our children. Oh, what hope that gives my heart. And then there's not only the the person of the Spirit, but the provisions of the Spirit. My blessing upon thine offspring. <laughs> I see what God's done in my own life and how He's turned things around and how spiritually He's provided this thing of money. I know we got a habit to live, but uh, there's no real blessing in it. There's no real thrill in it. All of that passes away, but Oh uh, when God dumps uh, uh he backs up that uh, wagon load of grace and dumps it in my front yard and, and God begins to help me I tell you I feel richer than a millionaire when his blessings become my portion And I'd like for my children to know some of the same blessings of God and the touch of God and the warmth of God and the help of God and the movement of God that I've known in my own life. And I know as I look at our generation and as I look at the circumstances and I look at the human heart of my own children, they'll never know those blessings unless God comes to their aid. But Hallelujah. He said, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. Uh, We've had our grandsons most of the summer. Your grandparents understand that. They, They keep them during the day while mom and daddy's working and and you keep them at night because they beg to stay then, too. And uh, I told my wife the other day, I said, Now, I love them too, honey, but we've got we to gotta send them home. We've got to try to get back to sanity around here, a little. Y'all, y'all's grandsons, are they like mine? I, I, maybe some of your granddaughters.